Happy Easter. Are you guys glad? Man, this day symbolizes an incredible, incredible thing that happened for all of us. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. If you want to follow along, as DJ mentioned, you can uh, scan the QR code in front of you, or you can go to Uversion, the Bible app. There's three little lines on the bottom right. Click on that. Click on events, and you can find Shine Church. Um, real quick, uh, how many kids? I want to hear you. How many kids do we have in here? Just a couple, okay. Um, all right, when you came in, if you were between the ages of, or from kindergarten to fifth grade, you should have been given a little bag uh, with some treats in it. If you did not get a bag and you're between kindergarten and fifth grade, would you raise your hand? Because we want to make sure you get one. We got two over there and two over there. One there. Keep your hand up. Kindergarten to fifth grade. Kim, are you going to run those around? Okay, while they do that, keep your hand up if you're between kindergarten and fifth grade, did not get a bag. Um, here's the deal. There are some uh, little containers of cheese puffs in there, and uh, I want you to go ahead and open up those cheese puffs, and here's the rules for the kids in here. You get to eat one cheese puff every time I say the name Jesus. All right? So as soon as we get the bags into the kids' hands, open up those cheese puffs, and every time I say that name, you get to eat a cheese puff. You guys like cheese puffs, right? Yeah? Okay. So go ahead and get those open and get those ready. And uh, just uh, last night, it was so funny. I had kids. I was looking out. They, they actually had the cheese puff like right here. And I would, I would say the word, the name, and they would go, and that big smile on their face. So uh, did you guys get your bags? Okay, a couple more coming there. All right, perfect. All right, uh, as we finish that up, one other quick announcement. I know DJ said that we have house church next weekend, so obviously uh, this does not apply to next weekend. But uh, on the 30th, Saturday the 30th, and then May 1st, Sunday, we're going to start a new series. And because of just everything with the pandemic that started in 2020 and just all of the different things that have been going on in the world around us, uh, we have been wrestling as a teaching team um, about this particular subject and topic that we're going to uh, introduce uh, that weekend. Um, and that is, we've decided that the Lord is leading us to go into uh, speaking about end times events. Uh, so different things like the mark and uh, um, just the, who's the antichrist and what does that look like? What is the tribulation? Um, when is the rapture going to happen? What is the rapture? Um, things like that. Um, we feel like we're, we're supposed to go into it. And so uh, we have a series that we're going to call The End. You like the little question mark? Did you get that? The, the End. Um, I, so here's, here's, here's the truth. I, I'm just going to be completely open and honest. Pray for us as a teaching team. Uh, because uh, one of the things that um, we all discussed as we were talking about this is uh, none of us feel like um, we're an ex expert in this area. Um, and I think the truth is, I don't know if there really is an expert in this area. Jesus said, we don't know the time. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. There are so many different things that are vague and uh, so many different interpretations and so many different things. Um, and so pray for us as a teaching team. Uh, but we're going to take May and June, and we're going to actually talk about different subjects and different thoughts. I want you to start thinking about that as well. Uh, if you're new to Shine Church, one of the things that we do is we have times during our service where we're interactive. We pass microphones around, um, and we will do that. Um, it'll be more of a teaching-based series, uh, not as much as what we 
we've been doing for the beginning of the year, uh, but there are going to be times of interaction, and we want to hear your hearts and, and really what you would w want us to go into as well. So that first weekend, I know we'll be asking the question, what would you like to to learn about in regards to end time events and those things. So I hope that you will join us and come to the end. All right. Hey, we're jumping in uh, to Easter this morning. And remember, uh, kids, if you got those cheese puffs ready, are you ready? Jesus. All right, there we go. Okay. All right. I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to read some sayings. And I want you to think about it. And I'm going to ask a question. Um, what type of sayings are these? Okay. Earn money by spending it. If I know one thing, it's that I know nothing. This is the... <laughs> what? This is the beginning of the end. <laughs> I love that. Here are the rules. Ignore all rules. Less is more. Do the thing you think you cannot do. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. The more you give, the more you get. The louder you are, the less they hear. <laughs> Somebody just needs to take that one, live by it. That's all you need for the rest of the day. Just <laughs> And then this last one, the only constant is change. Um, real quick, what type of sayings are those? Paradox. They're known as paradoxical sayings. Um, the definition of a paradox is this, a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement. This is why those kids go, in the back were going, huh? That doesn't make sense. Seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. I'm going to read it one more time. Definition of a paradox. Seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. There are so many different things that we could talk about on Easter morning. So many different things that Jesus has done for us. But what we wanted to teach with you today or bring up with you today is that because Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave, he actually set up a paradoxical kingdom. And as a matter of fact, there's a preacher in the early 1900s that is quoted by saying this, without paradoxes, there is no Christianity. And I um, was actually uh, quite amazed as I was going through the study and research for this message in the fact that in the Bible, there are so many, let me, let me use the, the, the definition, there are so many absurd and self-contradictory statements in the word of God that at first read make you go, hmm? But then when you get through it and you start to think about it and you start to research, you begin to realize that what seemed to be absurd actually has the greatest life to it that you could ever imagine. Does that make sense? Biblical paradoxes exist as a teaching tool to reveal righteous and eternal principles. And here's, here's my, my hope and my heart for you today. And that is this. I pray that you will leave this room with an understanding that one of the things Jesus did when he died on that cross and rose again from the grave is that he flipped this world upside down. 
he gave us so many different things to think about, so many different paradoxes that he wanted us to uh, contemplate. He wanted us to bring, hey, you know what? He, I, I know there's a lot of people that think that uh, Christianity is the opiate for the weak. Have you ever heard that? That, that is for those that just can't really sustain life on their own. And I would turn that upside down, and I want to tell you, God uh, not only uh, wants us to use our brains and to think through things, but he actually created many paradoxes to challenge us and to challenge this world that we live in so that we would think differently, yes? He wanted to flip things upside down. And so I'm going to go into a little bit of an interactive time. And again, I, if you're new here, uh, we have a couple people with microphones. And I just want to ask a cu couple questions, or one question actually today. Um, and um, I've got some, some verses that I think, I, I think that you guys are going to say some of these. And so I'm going to try to pair some verses to some of the things that I think you're going to say. When you think of the Bible, when you think of Jesus Christ, when you think of this idea of a uh, paradoxal kingdom, a kingdom that's just flips upside down. What stories or what things in the Bible come to mind that you would go, oh yeah, that is totally a paradoxical thought that I have seen or heard or read in the Bible? So who will go first? What is a paradox that you see in the Bible, in the word of God, that, uh, that you can think of right now? Just lift up your hand and we'll get a mic to you. Say your name, if you would, so everybody, yeah, I know. Karen. Um, and it says, uh, <clears throat> thou shalt not kill, and then, you know, King David was killing people all the time. Okay. But I don't have that one. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> this is why this interact stuff is always good, because you guys always bring stuff up. Absolutely. Okay, so you have don't kill, and then, I mean, we don't have time to go into that this morning, and just all the things that, you know, and then yet God says, to destroy these people. Um, that's a great paradox. Yep. Another paradox in the Word of God. Wait, wait. Just for those on online. Yep. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Okay. The begin. I don't have that one. Maybe you guys should go on the Bible app and, you know, see which one. No, I'm just kidding. He's the beginning and the end. That doesn't make sense until you begin to realize that he's the infinite God and we're finite and we will never Comp comprehend and grab that. Love that. Right here. And Alex, be last to be first. Okay. Be last to be first. Mark 9, 35. Anyone who wants to be first must be very last and the servant of all. And so uh, I'm going to do a quick little exercise. Um, everybody in the back row, you are in the back row. I want you to come up to the front row now. Just kidding. Just kidding. They're all like, Ah! Just kidding. I, what a weird concept. That's so, that's so, it goes totally against everything that we have in this world, yes? Because our world teaches that if you want to be first, man, you get your own. Yeah? Jesus came and he said, no, if you, want, if you want to be first, you need to be last. What if we lived our lives that way? What if we actually lived our lives that way? What would that look like? You know, Pastor DJ and I, we try to live by this, and, and one of the things that we do is we try to hold the door for each other. Sometimes we never get into a place. No, you go. No, you go. No, you, uh, who's going to go? I, it's it's just an interesting. It, it's just it goes contradictory to what we the world we live in. Somebody else. Anybody else have another paradox? Um, he says to die to ourselves. That if we 
like die to ourselves, then we'll find life. But if we live our own life, then we'll die. Oh man, that is such a good one. Luke seventeen thirty three, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. Man, that is a tough paradox to, to grab a hold of. But when you start to think about that, when you actually give yourself for somebody else, that is when you become the most attractive to them. Yes? And again, we live in a world that, that's not, that does not live that way, but that is a great paradox that God has established and put into a kingdom. Jesus. Any kids listening? Jesus. Okay. Well, you get two cheese puffs then. All right, is somebody else? I had somebody come up to me last night and it was just like, on the spot, I couldn't think of any. But as soon as you moved on, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, any, any other thoughts, any other paradoxical thoughts? Because there are a ton of them in the Word of God. All right, how about these? We see unseen things. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. How many of you are comfortable with that paradox? That you are supposed to be sure or certain of things you don't see. The truth is this, Jesus died so that we could have access to our Father. And when our Father speaks to you, that's when you become sure of things you don't see. It's the only way that you can live and see things that, that are unseen is to have that direct access to the creator who has created everything. How about this? We find rest under a yoke. We find rest under a yoke. You know, if I came to tell you and said, hey, I want you to carry something for me, you would not be going, well, that sounds really restful. You would be like, uh, no, I, I've got enough in my life right now. I, I don't need anything else. But Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I, he wants to give us rest, right? Um, how about this one? We reign by serving. Not so, Mark 10, 43 and 44, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that you may that he may lift you up in due time. We are exalted. How about this paradox? We are exalted when we are humble. Boy, I, I, okay, yes? Doesn't, doesn't make sense. Because the world would say, hey, you gotta know what, to, you, you, gotta, you gotta be almost arrogant, private. you have to know what to do in order to get the things that, but the truth is if you're humble, if you submit yourself to others, that's again when you're attractive, Yes? We all know this. We, we see humble people and we are like, oh my gosh, that person, I love being around that person. They're so humble. And we get that. But anybody, I don't want to ask you to raise your hands right now, but anybody struggle with that? I know I do. Um, let me go through a few more. We find victory by glorying in our infirmities. James 1 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials. Amen. But the truth is, we know, and if you've lived life, you begin to realize that if you have an attitude, a paradoxical attitude, a kingdom mindset, you begin to realize that when you struggle with things, when trials come, and you rejoice in those things, that's when growth happens. And many times, people look back at a trial they have, and they'll say these words, thank God I went through that because it changed my life. Yes? 
Jesus. All right, just checking the kids. Listen. All right, we multiply when persecuted, Acts 8. We triumph through defeat. We become wise by being fools for Christ's sake. We are made free by becoming servants or bond servants. We conquer by yielding. It's just so upside down. And, and I just listed a few. Uh, as I, Again, as I said, as I was studying, and maybe when you open your Bible this week, uh, look at the paradoxes. You're going to see, oh my gosh, there are so many different paradoxical things in the Word of God. All right, so why this message on Easter? Why am I bringing this up on Easter Sunday? And here's the reason. The reason is this. Jesus Christ died and rose again from the grave because he wanted each one of us to understand that the things that we don't deserve, that we shouldn't get, he paid for so that we could receive. That is the greatest paradox of Easter Sunday morning. Yes? And as we were talking about this as a teaching team, we got into a great discussion about, okay, there's all of these incredible paradoxes in the Bible, but there's probably ones that are greater than others. And we started to talk about those things. Friday night, I know many of you were here. We had a good Friday service, and I just want to say thank you to Angela Rose who led that and all of the people that were involved. We had Kaylee Enders that was doing a live uh, piece of art, which is actually over there. She was doing it right during the service, right in front of all the people. She had never done anything like that before, and she just said, yes, I would be willing to do that. So she just started painting as we were doing worship and scripture reading and times of reflection. And what we did is that after every verse that was read... We had nine candles up here. After every verse that was read, we took a candle and, and we um, snuffed it out. And then the room light got darker. And we got all the way through the different readings. We got to the very last one. And it takes you through the steps of what Christ went through to the cross. And the very last candle snuffs out. And I'm telling you, church, if you weren't here, there's tears. I was playing keyboard up here. You could hear sniffles going on. I mean, it was just an incredibly moving moment. And it concluded with the entire room going pitch black. And then we turned just enough lights on for people to leave. And every, there was over 100 people in this room. And every person left without saying a word. And it was a very... Um, it was just a very deep and intellectual moment in regards to what Christ did on the cross. And I actually began to think to myself, you know, there's a paradox in itself right there because a dark night brought light to everyone. A dark night brought light to everyone. And we make a mistake if we live there at the cross because that is not an incredible uh, or a very... Um, Warm feeling place to stay because you begin to realize that Jesus went through all of these incredible things on our behalf. And so let's think about a few of those real quick. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. All right, think about this through the light and the, the context of a paradoxical kingdom. Here we have Jesus, who was God, but he did not consider that. He did not use it to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. 
being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Church, I'm not sure if you've spent much time actually contemplating and thinking about this, but here is something that I want you to think about this Easter Sunday morning, and that is this. Most leaders, most rulers, most kings, when they get to that position, they feel like they've earned that position. They feel like that that is their right, whether it's they were born into it or they were voted into it or whatever it is. They get into that place of leadership and they expect that all of the people that are under them will serve and do whatever they ask. Yes? It is not common for a king or a leader to actually put themselves voluntarily under. And Jesus put himself under every single one of us in order that we could have right relationship with the Father. Why Easter Sunday morning am I talking about this? Because I want you to realize that Jesus, with complete joy in his heart and his mind, knew each one of you by name. Well, Pastor Dan, that was over 2,000 years ago, yet he knew you by name. The Bible says he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He knows the number of hair on your head. He knows the intimate, most, de most intimate details of your life. He knew you then. And it says that it was his great joy to go to that cross on our behalf. I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you have walked with Jesus and have invited him into your heart and lived by, I, with him in your life. Or if you were dragged along by a family member to come to church today. But here's what I want you to know. God is not an angry God. He's not out to get you. He is a loving father and he cares for you so much that he would send his son. And he loves and cares for you so much that he would submit himself under you to serve you. A couple weeks ago, we did a series or a, a short message on Jesus washing the disciples' feet. That was a paradox. You have this man, the king of kings, coming and washing. One of the lowliest things you could do, washing the disciples' feet. This Easter morning, I want you to think about that. That we have a king that's not lording things over us. We have a king that is putting himself under us and saying, hey, I want to serve you. And that's amazing to me. We were talking about it, and Peter goes, talk to people and just, just get them to think about this, the insanity of a king dying for those that were killing him. I, I mean, I understand maybe somebody dying for a friend and somebody that would die for somebody that has done something, but Jesus, the word says that Jesus died for the ones, the very ones that were yelling out, crucify him, crucify him. What a paradox that Jesus would die for those that were killing him. Now again, don't separate yourself from that story because many times I think, we think, oh, that was 2,000 years ago and those people, I, you know, they were, they didn't know what, they, they were dumb. They didn't know what was going on. But the truth is, each one of us, every time we make a mistake, we don't say the words crucify him, but it says that Jesus died for our sins and there's not a single person in this room that's perfect. There's not a single person in this room that hasn't made a mistake, that hasn't fallen short, hasn't missed the mark. The word sin means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. 
And so if you don't hit dead center every time in everything in your life, you've missed the mark. You know, many times, here's, here's a great paradox. Um, many times people will say, how can a loving God send someone to hell? I don't know if you've ever heard that argument. How can a loving God send somebody to hell? I get the question, totally understand it. But I think you need to ask one question before you get there. And that is this. How can a righteous and holy God send people to heaven? Romans 3.23 says we all have fallen short. All of us. All of us. Check your heart right now. When I speak those words, do you, do you agree with them and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I have fallen short? Or is there something in you that rises up and it goes, well, I, I do my best. I'm, I'm a good person. I, you know what? It doesn't matter how good we are. Every single one of us makes mistakes from time to time. Every single one of us falls short. Jesus came so that we don't have to pay for those shortcomings in our life. Jesus paid the price for those things on the cross so that we could have freedom from them. Don't live on a good Friday. Don't live at where he died and that's all that happened. Understand that God raised him from the dead so that he could be seated at the right hand of the Father. He became the sacrifice for you and I so that we could have direct access to the Father. God's heart for you, church, is that you would have your heart open to hear his voice because he wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. He wants to instruct you. He wants to help you go through this life navigating the difficult times. I'm just here to tell you that even when you're doing good, before I knew God, I was trying to live a good life, but I would do things that I knew were wrong. There were certain things that I would do them, and I'm just like, ugh, there's something inside me that just didn't feel right. And I know that every single person in this room has probably had that experience. You just know, you know, inside, deep inside, that God sent Jesus so that we can have freedom from that. So we can have freedom from that. It's a great paradox. DJ talked about the fact that the people at that time, they were convinced that the Messiah was going to come and set them free from the Roman tyranny. As a matter of fact, some people believe that Judas betrayed him because he thought then in doing so, Jesus would have to then call upon angels. And he was kind of trying to force Jesus into taking over, pushing forth the, the kingdom. I don't know if that's actually what Judas' intent was, but here's the truth. They thought that Jesus was going to turn or come and change the out external around them, the outside around them. And so for anybody that has ears to hear right now, if you're calling upon God, and asking him to change your outward circumstances. I'm not saying that he can't, but here's what I do know in this paradoxical kingdom, that many times God doesn't change the outward things in, around us before he changes the internal in us. And I think a lot of times people pray this prayer. God, if you will do this for me outward, then I will inward give myself to you. I would submit to you for those who have ears to hear me right now, I would submit to you, change your internal, invite him to live there first, and watch the external change radically. It's paradoxical. It's a different way of thinking. It's not how we do things in the world today. The way we do things in the world is first show me, and then I will trust you. 
That is not what God is asking of us. He is saying, come, let me come into you, and then I will begin to make changes. God wants every one of us to know that without him, we can do nothing. And that is a paradox that probably is very irritating to some of you right now. And you could probably come to me and say, Pastor Dan, you don't, you don't know of all the things I've done. I mean, I could list all kinds of things that I have done. Yeah, I, I know that. And I know people that have done great and mighty things only to find themselves at the top of the ladder going, is this all there is? We talked at the men's breakfast yesterday about even in fellowship, even in fellowship, you can have people in your life, you can have sons or brothers or friends or whatever that, that are in your life every single day and still be incredibly lonely. Yes? Could it be that because God has internally wired each one of us, he created us in his image, could it be that God created in you and I a deep understanding, deep inside, that understands what I'm saying? The great paradox of Easter, and that is, I can do nothing on my own, but it's through Jesus Christ. That's when true life comes. And I just would submit to you this Easter morning that Jesus died on that cross. He rose from the dead so that we would have that understanding and so that we would start to think about things differently. He doesn't want you to come to him so that you don't have to think. No, I would submit he wants you to come to him so that you can become a better thinker. Does that make sense? I hope I'm communicating this well. Jesus died so we wouldn't have to. But then the interesting thing is, then he asks us to join him in his death. What? What does that mean? Well, the truth is you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do a single thing for God to come into your life, to come into your heart. Jesus paid it all. Do we still have any cheese puffs? Have I said Jesus enough yet? Oh, there's still a few. Okay. Jesus paid it all. You don't have to do anything to earn his favor. Boy, boy, that is a paradoxical statement right there. Because we live in a world that, that has this concept and this idea that I have to do all these great things in order to earn the favor of others and most importantly of God. Do you know Christianity is, the difference between Christianity and most of the other religions in the world is that Christianity is solely about what Jesus did for us on this particular weekend and that's it. It's not about what you do or don't do. It's not about what you say or don't say. It's solely about what he has done. And all he's saying is just realize what I've done for you and invite me in. And when you do that, here's the great paradox. When you do that, when you honestly do that and invite Jesus into your heart, then what begins to happen is you begin to have this understanding that, man, he saved me from a great debt. And so therefore, 
I will do whatever I can and join him in that. If someone were to, if you were to walk out of this, this building right now and a car was screaming along and somebody were to push you out of the way and save your life, there would be something in you that would be like, I want to repay this back because they just saved your life. God, God has given us that salvation through his son, Jesus. And I'm, I, I, this is where words fail because until you experience it, words just don't actually really make the impact that, that it needs to do. But I'm here to say this, that when you ask Jesus to come and change the internal, then what begins to happen is a great paradox begins to take place in your life. And all of a sudden, you want to do all of these things. You want to be last so you can be first. You're going to serve so that you can be the greatest. All of a sudden, you will understand that I will lose my life and because it, I'll get life. And all of these great paradoxes all of a sudden start to make sense. But it starts with understanding that Jesus died and rose again so that we could live in this great paradox. And so here's my conclusion. I pray that each one of us would leave this room with just a different mindset. I put this down as the conclusion. I don't know if it makes as much sense as I wanted it to, but here's the truth. Jesus died so we could look at life differently than most. Jesus died so that we could look at life differently than the people that don't know God. He wants to replace your natural thoughts and thinking with supernatural, paradoxical thoughts and thinking. And so my prayer and my hope is that as you leave here today, as you celebrate with your families and you eat together, as you go into this week, that this message will just kind of echo in your brain and you won't be able to get away from it. And that as you enter into different trials and different struggles and different conversations, that God will, by his Holy Spirit, begin to speak to you maybe some pretty different ways to think about a certain situation. I don't have enough time right now, but I remember one time my daughter was struggling with some stuff and I asked God, I don't know what to do. I need your help. And he gave me this sentence um, that was totally paradoxical. I, as a matter of fact, I remember thinking this. A good parent wouldn't do this. And I felt like the Lord said, do it. So I said what the Lord told me to say, and my daughter radically changed. It was, it's, it's a moment with God that I will never forget. And I believe this, church, that if we will recognize what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we will invite him to come in and begin to change us from the inside, let's stop focusing on the external. Let's focus on the internal and say, God, change me from within. And when we allow him to do that, what's going to happen is he's going to begin to speak to you some paradoxical thoughts. Step out in those things. And I believe with all of my heart what you're going to see is God begin to move in a dramatic way. And you know what? It won't be in your strength. And the only one you'll be able to give credit to is God. And that's what today is all about, is giving God glory, honor, and praise for what he has done for each one of us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now and we thank you. We thank you for the great paradox of the fact that a king would come and die for those that he could easily just rule and lord over. God, we thank you for the great paradox of a man coming and becoming sin 
and paying the price so that we don't have to pay the penalty of our sin. God, I thank you for the great paradox of life coming through death. And so, Lord, on this Easter Sunday morning, we just come before you right now, and we just thank you for what you have done for us. Lord, I pray for every person in here that knows you as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that this would stir in them a desire to seek you even more and to ask for you to speak great paradoxes to their life. Help them in their life circumstances. Help them in the decisions they're making. Help them parent better. Help them find mates if they're not married. God, I pray that you would help them work nav- or, or navigate through work situations. Lord, help them in neighborhood situations. God, give them just even just paradoxical thoughts that would help them to navigate through what they're going through. And for those that are here this morning that are wrestling with God, maybe you um, have had a bad experience um, with a person that professes that they know God. Or maybe you just have never really thought about this idea of, of a great paradox that Easter represents. I want to just simply say this. Go before God and ask him to make this real. Please, please do not judge God based on what any human being has done or what any human being has said. But just go before him and ask him if what I've spoke this morning is true and right. The thing that changed my life radically was a friend came to me and said, God doesn't want religions from you, Dan. He wants relationship. And I will simply end by saying this. For those of you that do not have relationship with God, he loves you. He knows you by name. He's not angry at you. He wants relationship with you. And I would strongly encourage you, invite him to come in internally. Stop asking him to change the external. But ask him to come in and change the internal. Think about it in a paradoxical way. And I believe that he will be faithful to meet you where you're at. If you're open and honest to inviting him in. And so, Lord, we pray for those that are here this morning that need to invite you in. And we ask that, God, you would just make yourself real. God, take the words that I've spoken, my deficiencies, and, Lord, show yourself true and real to those people. And Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen.